Welcome to River City Podcast. This is episode number two with Matt Nerland, uh, joined by Alan Barrera Flores. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listening, we're about 30 minutes from tip-off of the Kings-Warriors game on Monday night, and we're going to get into it. We're going to talk some hoops. Uh, since our last podcast, the general NBA news, not a ton has happened. Uh, some of the teams that were really hot cooled off. And some of the teams that had a slow start won some games. Just kind of regression to the mean of the NBA season, but but not a lot of newsworthy items, um, although there are a couple we'll get into. Is there anything you want to hit on right away, Alan? Yeah, I think uh, following up on that, uh, during the week, uh, Matt and I had been texting back and forth, sort of trying to come up with topics to talk about just because... Uh, news, news-wise, it had been pretty dry. It was dry. It was a dry week of hoops. Um, yeah. And then we, we stumbled into a pretty eventful weekend for, for Kings fans and, uh, I would say, Warriors fans uh, as well. California, you know, California basketball is very interesting. And, and what was the first thing that really, <laughs> you know, we were sending texts back and forth about? I don't know if uh, a lot of Kings fans would... Uh, really liked what what happened over the weekend it you know it started with uh i guess if we're talking saturday it started with the kings losing to to the rockets well we, we can get into that a little bit later but we definitely will we but definitely what will. what sort of caused uh the snowball effect was a tweet uh by marvin bagley's uh dad yeah and which, uh, uh pretty much set off the the weekend for for the kings fans this is the kind of stuff you know it's bad if you're a Kings fan, but that's just why you love the NBA. There's never a dull moment. You know, we had a dull four or five days, but then we get that, you know, we get that tweet, which we will go and do much more in depth during Kings Corner. Right. But then you also get the Steph Curry explosion, which we definitely want to talk about. Um, yeah, Steph going off, Bagley tweet, really an eventful night. Um, Matt, like you said, really eventful uh, weekend for Northern California Hoops fans. Definitely. Um, and we'll talk about the, the Marvin uh, Bagley tweet a little bit later in King's Corner, but we want to get started with uh, Steph's, Steph Curry's uh, career high, so it was I'll just bounce that off to you, Matt. Awesome to see. You know, I can't, I can't talk about how hyped I am. And look, it would be awesome to see at any time of year with any team, you know, but... Steph has been under a lot of scrutiny, you know, and maybe it's not national scrutiny, but definitely within, you know, people with anti-warrior sentiment, anti-Steph sentiment, there's been a lot of talk in this start of the season. Hey, can Steph carry a less than superb team? Can Steph put a team on his back? And the comparisons invariably go to LeBron James. LeBron's had a lot of, you know, not great rosters that he's dragged to the finals. And Steph's, you know, the Warriors have struggled early on. You know, Steph, not super inefficient, not super efficient. And, you know, there was talk. And Steph even mentioned it after his 62-point eruption. You know, he had seen what people were saying. And I just love to see it. You know, to an extent, I agree with what they're saying. He doesn't have kind of the physicality or the size to just will a team, you know, in a hardened Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis way. But what I loved seeing it as someone who's a big fan of the Warriors was he needs his team working in sync with him to get him these looks. And his team was screening away for him, you know, hunting his defender, making that right extra read, and just letting him go off because, you know, unlike the physical specimens that he is on par with, 
as far as ability and greatness. He does need that team to kind of be working with him and around him. You know, his teammates were looking for him, screening for him, freeing him up. And the greatest shooter of all time and the greatest point guard of all time went off. <laughs> and I'm going to bounce this to you for your thoughts. Because just last week, if you guys missed episode one, Alan said that Steph was the third best point guard in the game. And, you know, it was our first episode, and my mom listens, so I didn't start cursing or break my phone. But I was like, you're crazy. I think Steph is the best point guard in the game right now and of all time. So I'm going to let Alan, you know, I'm putting him in a tough spot. After a 62-point explosion, defend your take. And I, I'm here to double down on what I said last week. Bro, you're kidding me, bro. Mom, <laughs> no, don't no. listen to this next part. I'm going in on this dude. I do agree. Steph is an all-time great. There's no way around that. I, I completely agree with that. I think he has changed the NBA, whether people like it or not. Totally true. He has emphasized um, three-point shooting ever since, you know, he his I guess his rise um, in the league. But... I think the point I was trying to make last week when um, when I listed my top three point guards in the league and my reasoning for, for taking Dame number one or saying I think Dame is uh, the best point guard in the league right now is just because of the moment that both of them are in at this point. If we look at last season, if it were not for uh, Damian Lillard, the Trailblazers wouldn't have been anywhere near the playoffs. I don't I don't disagree at all. Damian and, Lillard last season was an absolute monster. Just yeah, and, and, an amazing basketball. And I, I think following into this season, I don't think, you know, a, a week of um bad play or, you know, struggling for him sort of takes him would would sort of be enough for me to knock him down in my I guess personal rankings as far as right. point guards. But I do, I do think that we have seen uh, Dame be capable of um, uh, pretty much getting the most he can out of his roster, although he has had um, good, uh, you know, decent supporting cast and, right. and a really good, um, what would you call it, uh, I guess, Robin to, to Batman. Right. CJ McCollum was, is a great player, but I definitely agree with you that the rest of the Blazers roster, not only now, but historically, has some holes. I mean... Mario Hazonia, I thought he was going to be great. I thought he was going to be a star. He's one of the worst players in the NBA. And last year, he started. Not only did he play, he started. So I totally hear what you're saying about Dame, you know, elevating the level of play for a team that really isn't amazing around him outside of McCollum. Yeah, exactly. And and I think, you know, if you were to make a... If we're just comparing the two, Steph and, and, and Dame... Obviously, all time stuff is is up there. You, know, I don't know if where you guys have them. You know, in your all time rankings, right? Um, but personally, it shouldn't even be but, close. Right. The MVPs, the championship, the overall greatness. Right, and you're talking think, about a moment in time. Yeah, and I don't, but and I don't think Dame is in that conversation or anywhere I, I, close because he has not won anything. He hasn't gotten close to winning anything. Um, but I'm saying at this point in time, we have seen. Uh, Damian Lillard do uh, do enough with the lesser roster for me to consider him a better point guard at this point in time. With all that being said, we know he's been struggling this season. And, you know, if he continues to struggle the next couple of weeks, then I guess I would have to go ahead and change up, you know, my my ranking. If, right, you know. right, of course. It, it's a 
like you said, your ranking is truly one moment in time. And I think what you're trying to come across with, and what I guess I can understand, is kind of like after Kawhi took the Raptors to the finals, you know, put, put the team on his back, you know, had these heroic efforts. He kind of was the best player in the NBA, and he wasn't the best of all time. And honestly, he probably shouldn't have even been considered better than LeBron in that moment. But it's almost like in a heavyweight, you know, fight. Whoever has the belt. And right now, Dame, after the bubble performance he had, has the point guard belt. Obviously, Steph wasn't there to, you know, defend his belt. But that's what this season is for. And even though I still think Steph is better right now, I can hear what you're saying. If you're using kind of the belt argument for who's the best at a position or best right now... Mm -hmm. I can hear what you're saying. Dame has the belt, but I don't think it's going to last long because Steph is coming up swinging, as we saw this weekend. I will say one one last thing before we change topics. Um, I know a lot of people on social media sort of, um, I don't know, it's sort of become popular to bash uh, Steph because he's had good teams around him, but mm. that's not his, I mean, that's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's that got is a, true. That it's is not his true. fault he's got a, a great front office. I, mean, I totally agree. I'm sure Dame would... Would uh, much rather have have that that roster than right. You know. So I think that's something that has been sort of taken out of out of proportion. I think. I totally agree, especially because he's been on the same team the whole time. This isn't you know a guy kind of hopping around looking for the best fit. Right. He's built this you know culture. He's built this unbelievable franchise, really up from the bottom. You know, up from the We Believe era. And the, and the idea that he is to blame for a strong supporting cast, I think, is absurd. And I also think the idea that he can't carry a less strong supporting cast is absurd as well because of that first finals win. He did exactly. it without Kevin Durant. And Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are amazing players, but that wasn't the super loaded super team that the Kevin Durant teams were. And Steph... You know, he carried that team. He he achieved that greatness and was the leader and the best player. And I just, I'm tired of the Steph slander. And I don't think what you're saying is slander. No. But I truly had to, I had to confirm because you had to work <laughs> for a sec. No, and I think it's it's good that you mentioned that before um, KD. that They were still, he was, a, they were a constant playoff team. And, and even before um, KD, they, they went, what, 73 and 9? Yeah, so you can't take any of that away from him. Right, know? right, totally. And um, I guess time will tell, and, and we'll see where it goes from here. But I, after a 62-point game, I don't see him sort of cooling off. No, game no, next. especially as, like I said, his team, and his team is not amazing. Uh, a lot of young guys, a lot of guys without a lot of experience at all or playing with Steph. As they kind of figure out how to find him, how to get him in his spots, um, he's just going to keep going up and up. Because he's not hardened. He's not, get out of my way, I'm going to just create. You know, he needs them doing off-ball actions. They need him, you know, they need to be running pin downs. They need to be looking for him when he relocates on offensive rebounds. And all that has really improved a lot over the course of this really young season. So I'm confident that, you know, as the season progresses, his teammates who maybe don't have as much experience playing with him will kind of get a feel for how to best unlock his absurd skill set. 
And I think I think right now we've we've seen a lot of uh, good young guards coming up in the league. So it'd be interesting to see how um, some of these guys develop. We got John Morant coming into his own, De'Aaron Fox doing his thing out here. Although maybe not at that level like the the first two we we were right. just mentioning, but. I think it'd be uh, a good topic to talk about in the next in a future podcast, somewhat of a point guard ranking or something. Right, like that. I would love to get into that, especially once we've got a little more season under our belt. And like you said, someone someone has the chance to take the belt because you know Steph hit first, but that doesn't mean he's going to hit last. When we're talking about best point guards in the league, All right. Steph Curry went off, and that was big news. But there was also news this past weekend. And it involved Marvin Bagley, it involved parents, it involved Twitter, <laughs> it involved De'Aaron Fox. And we, we got to talk about that, but we got to talk about it on King's Corner. So with that being said, welcome to King's Corner. And we're going to get into the Bagley drama, but first, Alan, tell us about the week the Sacramento Kings had since we last recorded. So like you said, there's been a lot of drama, and I guess... There wouldn't be a King's Corner without uh, without right. some drama. But before we get to that, I, I want to talk about um, where the team is as a whole um, this week in comparison to the last time we recorded. Right. And so we lo- recorded last week. They were, you know, looking really sharp. And we were recording while they were playing the Suns. But things did not look so great. Right. Um, since then, uh, that night they went on to lose to Phoenix. Uh, followed by a win against Phoenix, and then two back-to-back losses against uh, the Rockets. Um, I think some of the things we were really excited about last time we talked was, um, I, at least in, in my part, uh, the defense. It right. was starting to the, really looked sharp early right. in the season. Yeah, so the team looked like they were pretty engaged on the de- uh, defensive end, um, which was you know translating to turnovers, points off turnovers, all that good stuff. That sort of started to fade away these last couple of games. And, definitely. And we definitely saw that the first game against Houston. I think um, it was a close game, but I don't think um, it was a game that the Kings should have lost. Although Harden did sort of go off or whatever. But, that, but you kind of have to expect that. Right. It's, it's James Harden. You know, he's maybe the best scorer in the NBA. If you go into a... Rockets game thinking, well, if Harden doesn't go off, we'll win. That's kind of a, a fool's errand. Right. Um, but then the following game against the Rockets, I think, has been the worst game the Kings have played this season so far. Mm. You know, it's still a young season. Right. But from what we saw the first few games to what we saw this last game, it sort of it seemed like we were going back to last year's Kings. Right. There's, there's a definite regression in how they played. And that's not what you want to see, especially with a young team. When it's a young team, you expect them to be, you know, trending upward, improving, you know, meshing. The fact that they started strong and are regressing is not a good sign. Right, and and what we saw this last game in Houston was a lot of one one um one on one offense. A lot of uh, these players trying to play hero ball, and that translated to low assist, a ton of turnovers. Right, um, these low... dudes are not good enough <laughs> to be playing hero ball. Yeah, like you know, this ain't Michael Jordan. You know, we're talking about here. <laughs> and uh, aside from De'Aaron, who sometimes struggles to get his own shot, I don't think we have other players that can constantly create for themselves. I agree. So that's 
the last thing you want to see the Kings trying to right. do. Right. <laughs> like, if they're not playing as a team and moving the ball, their individual creators, and it's something I'll get into as well, are just not... They aren't elite. You know, we aren't talking about Kawhi Leonard, James Harden. You know, these elite shot creators is like the phrase people like to use. We don't have that. We have guys with a lot of good skills, but individual shot creation, I don't want to see anyone on this team doing a Jason Tatum, like, triple combo sidestep. (laughs) I just don't. None of those dudes have that, and it's not an efficient way to play offense. Right, and I think what we saw um, this last game was a combination of you know, lack of effort on defense, that uh, one-on-one basketball that I mentioned, uh, we were missing Tyrese Halliburton, who we should not be depending on for, for a... But I think we are. I, I just That's think, what it looks like. I yeah. think he's that guy that kind of keeps the ball popping, keeps right. the ball moving, you know, d- doesn't let the ball stick. And that's what we loved about him. What we talked about on episode one is what we love is kind of that in-between game he's able to play, you know, connecting passes moving the ball, his great assist to turnover. And with him out, the ball's sticking. Exactly. Uh, we saw Corey Joseph in for, for long periods of time, and I don't, I'm not the biggest Corey Joseph fan. I don't know about you, but um, I think he's a serviceable player. But he's the type of guy that if you just need to give your starter a break right. or something, you put him in and he'll manage the game. He'll sort That's of, you know, his role. He's right. not creating. He's not... His goal is to be neutral. Right. His goal is to be neutral. Not, you know, it's it's a good thing if he just kind of gets you by. And that's nothing. I'm not trying to bash Corey Joseph, but that is the level of player he is in this league. Exactly. And I think um, at this point, I don't know if maximizing his minutes is, is what we're looking for. Obviously, he, Walton sort of had no choice. Right. With Halliburton out, it's fine. But I think as... Halliburton, you know, progresses, we want to see less and less of those minutes. We want to see Fox, Halliburton, and Heald, two of the three always on the court, and just kind of not needing to piece in those point guard minutes from Joseph. And we'll see. Hopefully Luke makes that adjustment. Yeah, exactly. And I think with all those factors that we just mentioned, um, a lot of flaws were highlighted with, with some of these players. I, right. I know you had um, a statistic on Buddy Heald. Yeah, and I'll get into that right now. So Buddy Heald, in their three losses since the last pod, he shot 6 for 16, 7 for 18, and 6 for 17 from the field. Which is, none of those are atrocious. Those are all pretty shot, high shot totals. But what jumped out to me was in two of the losses, one, he shot three for seven from two, and then the the really bad loss, he shot one for five from two. And Buddy Heald needs to realize his strengths. He is one of those flamethrower three-point shooters, like a Redick, like a Duncan Robinson, where a three from him is a good thing. And even if he's not, you know, on a certain night hitting at a super high clip, you want him to take those threes. But when he's taking tough twos, and for him, most twos are tough twos because he's either trying to create off the bounce or he's not explosive around the rim. Right. What I want to sum up is Kings fans don't want Buddy Heald taking twos. And if he can just cut down on those twos, it would increase his and the offense's overall efficiency and just limit the kind of bad shots that are making the offense not move as smoothly as it should. I also think that with Buddy um, 
sort of trying to work off the dribble. We've seen a lot of... <laughs> a lot happen. of bad things. A lot of face on palm. I mean, you and I were at Gaines last year, and you could just feel after the second dribble, you know, he'd catch it on the wing. One dribble, the fans are okay. Second dribble, you feel kind of this collective tension and groan like... <laughs> What And then it's off his foot or a bad shot. It certainly wasn't a pass, and it was rarely a positive outcome. Exactly. And I think um, following up on, uh, you know, the players and, and people that and, and their struggles, I don't think anyone struggled the most in this last stretch of games than Marvin Bagley. I do think he had a really good game against uh, Phoenix, that second game against right. Phoenix. But after that, we started seeing a trend of him getting pulled out during um, during crunch time, which right. we've seen uh, throughout the season. And one of the things we noticed uh, in in their games against Houston is they were going at him. Right. When, and, and this, I think this ties directly into the Bagley drama. Let's get into that, and we can discuss kind of how his performance, especially in that last Houston game, led to the... the social media blow-up that we saw this weekend. With all that being said, we know that Bagley isn't, you know, we knew he wasn't going to be a, like a defensive stopper or anything right. like that. Um, we were hoping he would develop uh, to be like a rim protector type because he's got that the size and athleticism for it, but it hasn't looked like it thus far. I mean... Look, I, you know, we just started this podcast. If we had been doing this a couple years ago, I've, I've been on this hill... <laughs> that Bagley will be, you know, a rotation guy, but he doesn't have the length or instincts to be a defensive impact guy. And on offense, he doesn't have the jumper or ball skills to really be a go-to offensive player. I've been saying it. I was saying they should draft Luka Doncic. You know, we're just lucky this podcast just started or else I'd be replaying the tapes and telling the whole Sacramento community how this was a bad draft pick. But I digress, because it wasn't about his jumper or his handle. That's not why this, this Twitter controversy happened. It was his defense, and it was specifically his defense guarding, you know, the perimeter on switches. You know, tell us, tell us what really, you know, led to this issue. Like you said, exactly. Um, I think the team has sort of been looking to play a little bit more zone, and if you, because we don't have, like, these one-on-one stoppers, you know, right. you have to try to resort to a zone. And if you just watch him, you can tell he's lost out there. Right. I don't think we've had – I think he's, he might be leading the team in, like, three-second violations in the key, at least one per game. I don't know, but I think I've seen at least one per game. And, and for me, that's – it's such an issue, obviously, like a mental error, just defensive right. instincts. But really, it was him just getting picked on especially the way the Rockets play. They were hunting him on switches. You know, you could just see James Harden licking his lips, his eyes lighting up when he had Bagley on a switch because he knew this guy cannot guard me. And obviously Harden's an amazing scorer, but you're expected, especially as someone who's a, you know, considered a four, pretty athletic and mobile, to be able to kind of slide and make do. Marvin Bagley was not making do. He was getting absolutely cooked. And I think all these struggles are that we're pointing to um, sort of led to the story of the week in, right. in the NBA. And that is uh, his dad, Marvin Bagley's dad's right. tweet at the Sacramento Kings right. uh, Twitter account. 
So what, what for those of you that didn't see it or you know haven't had um, come across it, Marvin Bagley's dad, Marvin Bagley Sr. Yes. Tweeted at the Kings account asking the Kings to please trade his son. Yes. As <laughs> as surprising as it may sound, if you aren't on NBA Twitter, this is what happened. A father, you know. It brings me back, you know, it's like a, a parent-teacher conference almost over Twitter. He said, he said, boy, listen up, train my son. And the fact that he did it over Twitter, obviously a public forum. He did it right after his son was, you know, I think he played less than two minutes in the fourth quarter after being torched by Harden and subsequently substituted out. Really comes off bad, you know. It, ma- it makes uh, LeVar Ball look good somehow. <laughs> And we've known Bagley's dad to sort of be, I don't want to say loose cannon, but he, he's pretty open with his feelings, you know, right. he, he's expressed uh, displeasure with the team, and right. um, I guess this time he just went out and said it. He just said, he, he didn't beat around any bush, he, he said what he felt, he said it in a public forum, and uh, I, I feel bad for Marvin, I feel bad for the other kings that this kind of thing is clouded over, because... I have no idea if this actually reflects what Marvin thinks. That's the issue. Well, that's the thing is, like you mentioned his teammates, it, it hasn't just been his dad. Now we have De'Aaron Fox's dad involved. Right. Well, explain, explain, you know, how that happened, that De'Aaron Fox's dad is also getting involved. So we've seen, we started seeing the back and forth with the fans and, uh, excuse me. Uh, all that, you know, it sort of snowballed into, right. you know, it started getting media attention. And, you know, right at the peak, I would say. Right. The, the, uh, the hubbub. <laughs> and I think at that point, Marvin Bagley Sr. had deleted the tweet. Right. Someone tweeted a screenshot of the tweet. And he went and retweeted that as well to basically say, yeah, I, I still meant what I said, even right. though I deleted it. So the, the, the fervor, the national attention at a really high level. And what, what happened? So at the peak of this, um, Darren Fox's dad comes out and just says, trade him. Like, he tweets out, trade him. He tweets, trade him. That's so, it. Just two words. So we don't know what the locker room situation is with these guys. It seems like it, there isn't an issue. It seems like this is a, this is fathers getting too involved. But also, we don't know. Exactly. You know, we don't know if this reflects how De'Aaron feels or, or how Marvin feels. And that's an issue because... Maybe, not only do we not know, but does Corey Joseph know? Does Corey Joseph know if Marvin Bagley wants to be his teammate? I have no idea what that scenario is like. Um, And it just leads to unnecessary tension and just a lot of issues uh, in and out of the locker room when stuff like this happens. Exactly. And I think um, one of the things that had been mentioned prior to the start of the season was what is the path for the Kings this season. Right. A lot of us were thinking it was going to be a tanking season. A lot of us were hoping that it wasn't. I think at this point, with stuff like this surfacing, it sort of just, you know, makes sense. If, you know, we, if we start to see the team slide and, you know, continue to sort of lose, continue that trend of, you know, ugly basketball these right. next couple of games... I don't think it makes sense to continue with this roster that Mm. is not going to give you much more than what we've already seen. I hate to say it, but I I totally agree. I think there was this idea that, 
you know, we've got the Fox Bagley healed core to build around. And last year, healed expressed a lot of displeasure. Seemed like he wanted to get traded. Was benched. You know, not benched, benched, but was asked to come off the bench. Seemed not pleased about that. And now this with Bagley. It seems like this core that people were counting on is not as tight-knit or as, you know, excited about growing together as we thought. And I think especially with a new general manager, it's time to kind of see if these individual pieces who maybe aren't, you know, excited about a future in Sacramento can get something on the market um, and, and maybe not necessarily a full rebuild, but start moving pieces that either don't want to be there or don't fit for the direction of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, well, we, I think we got to remember that it's a new GM. The only players that he's sort of brought onto the, the team, Monty McNair I'm referring to, has been you know the rookies and then Whiteside, um, Glenn Robinson the third. Right. So he yeah, like you're saying, those are the only people he has any sort of you know stock in. He didn't draft Marvin Bagley. He'll probably you know I bet if you bought him a beer he'd say oh I would have drafted Doncic. What was that guy thinking? <laughs> you know this is a very common theme and another reason why general manager turnover is not positive for a franchise. Because you don't have any investment. These aren't your picks. These weren't your trades. And I think in this situation, there might be that instinct to hit the reset button. And it's a little early for that. I'm not saying that's what they should do. But like you said, if this trend continues, it might be time to hit the reset button. With that being said, just talking about the Marvin Bagley incident, what do you think should happen next? I will say one one thing is I don't think Marvin has done enough to warrant him being a starter on the mm, team. We've sort of seen the team play better with him out of the out of the lineup yeah, at times. He does, you know, str- the struggles defensively do impact what happens on the floor. Exactly, and with everything that we've mentioned, he himself has not come out and sort of um, said anything about the comments his dad made. So if he feels like he doesn't want to be a part of this team anymore, if he feels like he wants to move on, right. I think now is a good time to express that. Maybe not to us fans because he doesn't no. need to say anything. To I us. don't think it should be in any sort of public forum. Right. It should be you know internally di- you know discussed. Because I do think um, it'd be beneficial at this point for it all to come out and a decision to be made. Whether right. he stays with the team or whether he decides to move on and the team can, you know, move on as well. I totally agree. And I've got to imagine, you know, he's thinking and his agent's thinking, this isn't where he wants to sign, you know, that extension after his rookie contract. And I've got to imagine neither are the Kings front office, the way things have played out. So if there's a mutually, unless they can really 180, and like I said, what they should do next, really it needs to... They need to get in a room, and it needs to be Luke Walton, Marvin Bagley, Monty McNair, um, and Marvin Bagley's father and his agent. And, no, you know, normally I wouldn't say that piece about the father, but he's the one out here stirring the controversy. And for those of you who think, oh, it's a one-off tweet, maybe he's frustrated, um, this is not an uncommon occurrence for Marvin Bagley Sr. He... He was apparently very pushy when Marvin Bagley was, you know, a top recruit in high school, got his own AU team that he was fully funded and ran, 
I guess they went 0-16 in the EYBLAU uh, circuit. Pushed his way into the Peach Jam, you know, the national tournament, for those who don't know, where they got beaten. Um, and then they go and sign with Puma. And so you kind of see, you know, you see this kind of trend of this really pushy and involved parent. You know, maybe not as public as like a LeVar Ball, but maybe equally as damaging. And I think what sums up kind of why you need to involve him or he may cause further issues right. is Marvin Bagley's younger brother committed to Arizona State and is playing there as a freshman. And college basketball insider Jeff Goodman, when he announced his commitment, said Marvin Bagley's younger brother commits to ASU. The best part of this, Bobby Hurley dealing with Papa Bagley. And I think that <laughs> sums it up in that maybe up until now it hasn't been as public, but this is something where especially this organization, the Sacramento Kings, you know, want to really show that strong, united, positive front going forward, whether it's in kind of a, a measured rebuild or playoff aspirations. They need to find a way to, you know, put forth that put forth that they are a franchise that is respectable right. and and moving in the right direction. And unfortunately, Papa Bagley, as Jeff Goodman called him, is causing an issue with that. And that needs to be dealt with and needs to be dealt with beyond closed doors. And it needs to be a mutually beneficial agreement. And I just hope that the front office can deal with that in the best way possible. And that's a wrap for King's Corner, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This is the second podcast uh, we've put out. We're going to be back next week. The plan is Sunday, so you'll probably be getting it on Monday. We'll talk about the week. Hopefully the Sacramento Kings have turned it around. Hopefully we get some great NBA news. Until then, thank you for listening to River City Podcast.